Welcome to the Find Your Best Future podcast. This is the podcast that helps international families make great decisions when it comes to university courses. Coming up in this episode, we'll be taking a look at the true costs behind studying in different universities in different locations across the world. So let's get started. So how are you doing, Jeremy? Good to see you again. Good to see you too, Neil. I hope you had a nice weekend. Uh, I certainly had a wonderful time. I traveled to Germany and spent the weekend there. And, uh, yeah, most enjoyable. Not and too now bad. We're, now we're back Not... to podcasting again. Life of a global jet setter. <laughs> it's, only an, <laughs> it's only an hour away in the aeroplane, so uh, not too oh, much okay. jet setting. No, certainly, no, uh, certainly no jet lag. <laughs> and the borders, are they okay now? Can you, can you move they freely? Are. Yes, yes, we, we can. I mean, it has been a problem with um, COVID regulations and restrictions, but now it's, it's completely open and free. We just have to, have to hope the plane shows up on time. That's the only uh, factor, really. Hey, school's going back uh, this, um, this week, and, and the weather here in Vancouver has changed uh, into autumn. It's like a, a trigger. So as soon as, soon as um, uh, the first week of September comes, the grey clouds come in, uh, and we had the first rain for the whole summer. So we were all grateful for it, but it was pouring with rain this morning when I woke up. Uh, that's yeah. good. Jeremy, what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, we're going to be talking about the costs of going to university. Okay. And, and, you know, there's the obvious ones and then there's the less obvious ones. Uh, what are we talking about here? Well, uh, most people are aware that they have to pay tuition fees at universities. Of course, those tuition fees vary considerably, as we're going to uh, discuss later on in this podcast. But in addition to tuition fees, a lot of people overlook things like the cost of housing. You have to rent a room somewhere, and then you have to have uh, meals. And you probably need some transport tickets, maybe local bus tickets in the city where you're located, probably an air ticket to get there. And then there are all the other bits and pieces, like you need to buy yourself a new pair of winter shoes uh, or things like that, and, and some spending money if you want to have a social life. So there are, there's quite a lot more to this than just the tuition fees. You forgot the most important thing from my uh, son's perspective, internet. Uh, Ooh, depending on where you're living, oh, that's the number one. <laughs> the first thing uh, the arranged uh, He's just started his master's and the uh, first thing he arranged was um, unlimited uh, internet so he could keep in touch. Uh, uh, also critically important and, and quite challenging, honestly, uh, in some locations when you're required to uh, have, be registered in the location, have a visa be registered in the location before you can uh, um, actually access all of these services. Okay, so let's focus in on tuition fees. Um, how much are tuition fees and what are they made up of? Well, that's the question everybody always asks uh, up front, uh, of course, and understandably people want to know how much they're letting themselves in for. But I would say this, it does vary hugely. Right. It varies depending on what country you study in um, and, of course, which university and very often which subjects. Some subjects are clearly more expensive, uh, subjects like medicine, for example, engineering, science subjects tend to cost more than subjects in the humanities area, simply right. because the university has to provide more facilities for you. Um, and then it will also depend, at least in some areas, particularly in Europe, on your nationality. Indeed. Um, 
many European countries have a, a dual tuition fee uh, structure whereby EU citizens have a, a lower rate compared to everybody else. So all of those things need to be carefully thought about. But then universities are in a competitive market. And so if you look within the borders of one particular country, uh, you will see a, a great diversity of fees from the relatively cheap to the quite expensive. It's huge, isn't it? The, the, the range is, yeah. is absolutely enormous. Yeah. And, and one of the critical discussions here is about you know, how much value add to these uh, prestigious or, or the, 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 the grade B universities offer against uh, something else. And we'll be coming back round to that uh, at a later point. So um, fees hugely different. You can go from free um, right the way through to, well, what's the maximum per year, do you think? Well, um, free, of course, is, is a nice one. Uh, it just means that the universities are funded entirely by the local government and they're generous enough to offer free places to uh, foreigners. Um, and it goes all the way up to some of the more expensive U.S. colleges. Uh, you're looking at $70,000 a year. My goodness um, and, me. And then, of course, you, know, you don't forget, you have to add in uh, accommodation, food, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, exactly. That's just for the fees. Uh, yeah, yeah, just, just for the fees. Wow. So I think the answer to your question was really, um, you know, how big is a is an apple or a piece of cake or whatever. Um, it varies enormously uh, depending on location and course. But let's drill into um, the numbers in a bit more detail. Um, maybe start off with the UK. So how much does it cost to, to study in the UK? Yeah, well, you heard me say just now, it, uh, it often depends on the nationality of the student. Right. Since Brexit has happened, um, the UK has realigned their tuition fees. So there are now two categories of students, okay. British and Irish citizens in one category, and everybody else called international students in the, in the other category. So all of the uh, EU students who were getting the benefits of being basically classified as British citizens, EU citizens, are mm -hmm. now placed into the other category, uh, the international student category. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And it's made quite a difference because prior to Brexit, EU citizens could actually go to Scotland for free, no tuition right. fees. Now, of course, uh, the landscape has changed considerably and everybody, including EU citizens, has to pay international fees. Furthermore, they also have to get a visa, a student visa to study whereas previously, of course, EU citizens didn't need a visa. So these are all changes in the last couple of years in the UK. But to sort of talk about the numbers, um, if you are a British or Irish citizen, you'd be paying about £9,250 a year okay. to tuition. And remember, Is that fixed the, across the courses? Is that, uh, that, how is that, um, that managed? That's a, another good question. That's the maximum. You, you may find a handful of universities down at seven or 8,000, but those tend to be the lower ranked universities. After all, this is a, a competitive marketplace and they are trying to attract in students by undercutting that maximum price. Right. But all the middle and higher ranked universities, they'll all be up there at 9,250. But remember this price is only for British and Irish citizens. Oh, okay. if, we, if we talk now about what international citizens will have to pay. Um, that varies hugely, anything from about nine or 10,000 upwards, up to about, well, 
40, 45,000. Wow. Okay. That would be, that would be a medicine course at one of the very top ranked universities. But realistically speaking, most international students on most courses will be paying somewhere between about 10 and 20, 25,000 per right. year. And where do you find that information? Is it uh, centrally uh, stored through the UCAS system or is it uh, locally on the university websites? Um, it's on the university websites. Right. So, because remember, you, you're, you're going to have to go and check what it costs for your particular subject. I mentioned just now some like medicine are clearly very expensive. So although, although um, the... The uh, uh, application process is managed through UCAS. In reality, in order to assess costs and to look at the uh, the the course itself, you need to go to the university website itself. Yes, and initially students tend to search for courses using uh, UCAS because they have a, a very good search function there with good filters. Um, but it's only going to give you some basic information. It's very uh, important that you then uh, link through to the university's own website. And check out in things like the course content, the availability of housing, and of course, the tuition fees. Wonderful. Okay, so let's fly across the pond, across the Atlantic Ocean to the USA, uh, a very popular location for international students still. Um, uh, pricing ranges enormously, I would imagine. It does. Uh, most foreigners have the idea that the U.S. is going to be horrendously expensive. I mean, yeah. we, we mentioned now $70,000. And you can end up paying that at some places. But the reality is far more complex. Um, I was sort of referring to some of the Ivy Leagues, the absolute top universities up at their 70000 But there are different categories of university in the United States and different ways to approach this. And then, of course, on top of all that, there is financial aid. But that is a huge and complex topic that we will be visiting again in a different podcast. Indeed. So if, we, if we just stick for a moment with the, the options out there for tuition fees, um, some of the state universities offer very good value for money. Hold on. Let's uh, slow down a second there. What is a state okay. university? Well, a state university is one which is partly funded by the taxpayers of a particular state, like Michigan oh, okay. State, Virginia State, etc. And uh, now, if you are fortunate enough to be a resident in a particular U.S. state, you will get what's called in-state tuition, and that is approximately half, or even a little under half, of what everybody else would have to pay. When I okay. say everybody else, I mean other Americans as well as foreign citizens right so this this can really reduce the cost a lot but okay Again, that's just... because of the the federal nature of america in that the, yes the, the services are provided state by state and so any benefits they offer they offer to people who are resident in their state only yeah yes because people who are resident in the state of course are paying state taxes and are therefore okay. funding funding the system this, this is the rationale that lies behind this but okay, let's leave those people to one side and talk about everybody else, which means US citizens from the other 49 states and all foreigners. Right. Um, these state universities are still very good value for money. And they vary between about seven and a half to 8,000 is the cheapest. That's the State University of South Dakota, all the mm -hmm. way up to about 28,000, which is State University of Vermont. 
okay. ever, everything in between. So these state universities actually offer a, a very viable alternative um, if you're not able to afford the, the very high tuition fees at one of the Ivy Leagues. Now, right. on, on top of all this, there is another way to approach this whole matter is that you can go and do two years at a community college and then for the I final have to two stop years, you again, uh, Jeremy, a community a college? college. What, yes. what on earth am I? Well, uh, yes, thank you for reminding me. I sort of sometimes assume people, people know these things, but <laughs> clearly not everybody does. Um, a community college is really, as the name suggests, a college that, that serves the, the local community, the local area. And they, is it a university? What, what is it? Um, they typically offer a sort of a, a two-year program. Yeah. Um, and you sort of get like a, a certificate, a diploma for that. And then if you want a full degree, you have to go on and do another two years at, for example, the local state university. Okay, but it's two years and two years, which adds up to yeah. four years that a the standard yeah. US degree would be anyway. So you're not losing yeah. time. No, no, you're not. Uh, what you are doing is saving a lot of money because ah. community, community colleges will probably be charging you six, seven, eight thousand dollars a year, and that's for two years. And then when you transfer into a local state university, well, that could be, I don't know, fifteen, twenty thousand, maybe. I mean, it depends right. what state you're in. But you save a huge sum of money. If you add up those numbers, your entire cost for four years will be sure. roughly the equivalent of one year at one of the top universities. Indeed, indeed. Well, that's a top tip, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, the, and your degree comes out uh, the same as if you were at the uh, university all the time, or is that...? Yes, it does. Uh, your degree is issued by the state university. Okay. So there's yeah. a win-win on all sides there. It is, okay. yes. Um, and let's move up the rankings then into, or into, uh, are they private universities, the other universities? Um, it's a mixture, a mixture of private and, and state universities. Um, okay. But ne nevertheless, we are still talking about paying fees, even at state universities, because they're, they're not subsidized to the extent that some of the European countries subsidize their universities. Yeah. Okay. So, so. That's a great tip. Let's move up. Okay, I want to try and get into a, the university I've dreamt of and the course I've dreamt of. What are we looking at there in terms of costs? Uh, it depends where your dreams are taking you. I don't know which, which university you have in mind, but um, the expensive universities, yeah, they, they're going to cost you probably fifty, sixty thousand 60000 a year, maybe a little more, maybe right. a little less, depending on where you want to go. Okay, so so huge range, significant difference, uh, different routes. Um, obviously, a very nuanced uh, picture in terms of cost, um, and of course, cost in the states is is impacted significantly on where you choose to live as well. You know, mm -hmm. the, the north south divide. Uh, you know, south is much cheaper generally outside of the the major conurbations. Um, those kind of things as well. Let's go north from uh, the USA. Let's head up to Canada now. What's the picture there? Um, Canada, it has a, a wide range of universities and colleges. Um, again, there are colleges which, which offer one or two year programs, uh, which you can then transfer up into universities. Wow. Um, but if we just talk about the universities, um, 
clearly there are differences in price between universities, but there are also differences in price between programs, you know, humanities program, engineering program, etc. Indeed. Um, but if, oh, oh, most important, <laughs> almost overlooked this. Uh, the biggest difference is if you are a Canadian citizen or That's not. That's what I was going to say. It's huge, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's a huge difference. I mean, Canadian citizens have an extremely good deal. If yes, I they do. Have a student, I mean, in the international school where I work, if I ever have a student come into my office and I've already seen in our computer software that he or she is a Canadian, I just say, look, <laughs> just go to Canada. Great universities, yeah. you unbeatable value for money. You're not going to find the same value anywhere else. Well, no, I mean, my, my, um, my son is Canadian, and uh, he studied at UBC, and his classmates were paying, well, they were paying about five times what he was paying um, for his course, um, a huge difference uh, uh, in every, uh, every respect. I, you know. So, Neil, now it's my turn to interview you. Can you tell me which course your son was on and how much he was paying? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was he was he was studying uh, international economics uh, at UPC at the University of British Columbia, and I think we were paying around seven thousand Canadian. It depends on the number of credits um, that he was doing, um, but uh, uh, and his friends were paying something around forty-five to forty fifty thousand for the same course. Um, so although my son has a very international background, just by the, the value of the, of the, um, uh, the passports alone, uh, the cost structure was enormously different. I think added to that, we'll just throw in that uh, also because he'd done the IB diploma uh, in Canada, they're very keen on the IB diploma. And uh, he received almost a year's worth of credits uh, given to him for free. Um, uh, as as part of his acceptance offer. So uh, the package for a Canadian who has taken the IV diploma uh, makes it a very, very attractive option. Yeah, you, you mentioned credits. Um, in order to graduate from a university, you have to clock up enough credits. And yes. as you mentioned, if the university already give you credits uh, based on, on what you've studied in school, that can, in, in some circumstances, uh, shorten the time, length of time you need to spend at the university and thereby, of course, uh, reduce the costs. Well, it was huge uh, for, for us. It, uh, it meant basically a, a $7,000 difference um, yeah. for the credits because he'd studied the IP diploma and, and had got the grades that uh, uh, they had hoped for. So, and as I said, that package is an incredibly powerful one if you're Canadian. If you're not Canadian, um, the cost is there, isn't it? It is. I mean, you just mentioned sort of 45, 40, 45, 50,000 uh, Canadian dollars. Incidentally, the Canadian dollar is worth quite a bit less than the US dollar. Indeed. You're wondering. Uh, but nevertheless, it, it, it's still a substantial outlay of and, money. And my son's course was an expensive one. The, you know, the other courses were coming in at, at 20,000, and UBC is known as an expensive university uh, yeah. uh, to study at. Um, if you were to look at the you know, other universities in, in Vancouver, so Capilano, for example, what are we looking at there in terms of cost? I haven't actually checked out their, their costs, but I would imagine it would be substantially less. I mean, I think Capilano, so. I think so. It, so, again, yeah. the range is different, isn't it? It is, yes. Um, I was visiting Canada about four or five years ago and traveled around to many universities, including McGill and the University of Toronto. 
right. and, and th those are two of the very top universities. And of course, the University of British Columbia is as well. And therefore, they tend to be more expensive. Um, I, I went to visit a very nice university just outside of Toronto called Trent University. Right. And they, they, they had an extremely attractive package. I don't recall exactly what it was, but it was probably no, less, than, less than half of, of the number that we're talking about here. Uh, and the other thing to think about is if you can't necessarily afford to go to one of the very top universities because of the cost, you can go to a, a university that's more attractively priced for your bachelor's degree and then go to a top university for your master's degree, which would normally be one year, possibly Indeed. two. So that's another way to sort of per turn the permutations on this one. Right. So Canada, like the USA in many ways, depending on location, yeah or depending on the type of uh, uh, institution you choose, um, you'll be paying from you know, 6,000 to well, anywhere up. Yes. Really? Neil, I'm, I'm saving the best to last, okay? Oh, are you ready? Okay, are you on. ready? Are you ready for this? Go if, on. You are, if you are fortunate enough to be a French citizen or a Belgian citizen, okay. you can go and study in the province of Quebec. Uh, for the same price as a Canadian, and we've heard how cheap that is, you know, 7,000 Canadian dollars. Um, just in case you, you haven't realized this, um, Quebec province is a French-speaking province, although, of course, right. there are also many people who speak English in the big cities. Um, and there are English medium universities there. The best-known one, of course, is McGill University in the city of Montreal, and you, right. you've got Concordia University as well. Now, if you are a French citizen or a Belgian citizen and you don't particularly want to study in French but prefer to continue to study in English, it doesn't matter. You can still go to one of the English medium universities. For the that is a top deal. tip. It is a top tip. So quickly, if you haven't got a French passport, <laughs> get one quickly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I think... Um... That won't be in, in my realm, but uh, that's a great one to know. So French and Belgians can study in Quebec uh, for the same price as a Canadian. Fantastic. Uh, just, just a word on, on the Belgians. Uh, Belgium is a country with actually three official languages. There's Indeed. Flemish in the north, French in the south, and a little tiny bit in the east, which is German-speaking. But you do actually have to have a national identity card or a passport that's issued in French. Okay, oh, not in goodness. Flemish. But I think if you're if you're Belgian and listening to this and you've got a, a an identity card issued in the northern part of your country in the Flemish, I'm sure it's not beyond the realms of possibility to go head south a hundred kilometers and reissues. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll leave that one up to you. Well, we're, now we're in Europe, we may as well talk about the, the next location, uh, uh, Netherlands or Holland. It's the same place, Netherlands and Holland, isn't it? Oh, um, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no. Uh, all the, all the Dutch Holland, this Netherlands. Go, no. <laughs> no. You know, I, I know that uh, uh, some people here in uh, in Canada are often confused about the naming of, of the Netherlands. Uh, yes. uh, but the Netherlands and Holland are uh, synonymous uh, generally. What are we looking at in terms of costs there? Well, before we go on to that, let, let me straighten your eyes on this one. <laughs> the, oh, Netherlands, the Netherlands is the whole country, and there are two provinces called North Holland and South Holland, and they're basically the areas around Amsterdam, Rotterdam. Uh, okay, so when you, go to the, when you go to the study in Holland, study in Holland <laughs> website, 
which ah, I was yeah. at last week. Um, and it, it, will that only have uh, uh, one part of the, <laughs> the Netherlands in it, or will it have the whole of the Netherlands in it? To say no, 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 exactly. it'll, have a, it'll have a whole of the Netherlands in it. Off we go. <laughs> Off we go. Let's talk about costs before we get yeah. into this in interesting semantics about Netherlands and uh, Holland. Indeed. Okay, the, the, the Netherlands, um, it has a, a multi layered higher education system. First of all, they have things called research universities, and those are what we call just normal universities where you have bachelor programs and masters, PhD, etc. Okay. And then attached to those universities are things called university colleges, and uh -huh. they are a little more selective, uh, but nevertheless, they're still part of the university. Um, and then we have something called a, a University of Applied Sciences, and they have a more focused and practical uh, degree courses. But they right. are all you know, they're all universities, and they're all issuing a degree. Now okay. let's look at the cost differences here between these. Um, again, the major cost difference is: Are you an EU citizen or not? Right. Now, if you go to a, a university or a University of Applied Sciences and you're an EU citizen, you'll be paying approximately 2,200 euros a year, yeah. which is a very good deal. I had a conversation with a friend and colleague who is on one of the admissions teams at a Dutch university, and she told me that, this is a few years ago now, that the real cost of a study place is about 16,000 euros a year. That. So the rest between your 2,200 and your 16,000 is subsidized by the Dutch taxpayer. Wow. And why so, would they do that, uh, Jeremy? Is there, you know, are they hoping to keep these people afterwards? I guess they are, yeah, uh, in well, some way. Well, yes. to... Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're, it's a very internationally minded country, a trading country, and uh, English is, of course, extremely widely spoken to a very sure. high standard in the Netherlands. And so they, they have this long history of, uh, of people coming from other places into the Netherlands. Right. And they and in recent years they've really boosted their recruitment of foreign students because okay. they they realise that, that some of them will stay on and these are well qualified people and they will boost to the economy of the Netherlands. Right. Um, so they're but, hoping that uh, they'll, you know, come, study, fall in love and stay basically and, and become yep. then uh, future taxpayers and so therefore the investment uh, is worth it. That's the logic exactly. behind it. Yeah. Yes, okay. it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, quite a lot of countries actually have cottoned on to this and encourage, you know, well-qualified foreigners to come and with the hope that they will stay and uh, become citizens. Yeah, it's an alternative route to the traditional visa selection it process, is. isn't it? It is, yes. Um, but again, that's quite a large and complex to topic to get it's into a, right now. So cost. In, in, cost. Um, <laughs> okay, I've, I've mentioned how much it costs. Um, for EU citizens, it's roughly 2,200. However, right. if, you go, if you go to one of these university colleges, which are attached to the university, the more selective ones I mentioned, it's probably going to be about 3,600, okay, which, which, which is still extremely good value, yeah. Um, especially when you look that you're, you're getting this sort of uh, more competitive environment, you're getting smaller right. class sizes and excellent facilities. Yeah, it, it's definitely worth the money, I would say. Right. And then, <clears throat> then we come on to what it's going to cost you if you're not an EU citizen. Um, roughly 10,000. 
euros okay. a year. Which now, is with, still uh, very competitive. Indeed, with currency changes and in the recent years, that uh, you know, even attractive to US and Canadian uh, uh, students potentially. I mean, this was something I was going to come on and talk about. Um, if you are, say, for example, a US citizen and you're you're there in high school in the United States and you have an adventurous mindset and you, you fancy going abroad and exploring Europe, you can really save yourself, first of all, a lot of money and and also time because in Europe, a bachelor degree takes three years. And typically in the United States, it takes four. Ah, so no, this are, is critical, isn't it? We, we it need is. to think about yeah. this. So, so in, in North America, we're looking at four years typically in terms of cost and in Europe yes. pretty much everywhere is three is that right almost everywhere Scotland is actually four but the rest of the UK is three and I think pretty much every other European country that I know of is three years unless you're yeah. doing some sort of special program but basically it's three years so in terms so of paying... cost that's significant isn't it I mean there's well, it is, 25% yeah. cost of saving um, so if you calculate out from a 10,000 euro price point, imagine in the Netherlands, um, and you spread that over three years instead of four, that, that makes a, a, a big hit, isn't it? Yes, and uh, an increasing number of, of students from the United States and elsewhere are coming to at least some of the European countries, right. because almost every country now offers courses taught in English. The Netherlands is actually the country that has the largest number of English taught programs by far, apart from the UK, obviously. Um, and so it's a very attractive option to come. And if you are a US citizen listening to this and you, you fancy three years exploring Europe, you come and you study, you get your degree in three years and you meet interesting people, you travel around a bit uh, because everywhere in Europe is very close with high speed trains and cheap flights. So you can just pop down to Italy for the weekend if you fancy it or down to Paris. Um, and then when you finish your degree, you can then go back to the United States and do your master's if that's what you yeah. wish. Or, or of course, you can stay in Europe. Uh, it's up to you, really. So it's, it's quite an attractive option. And I'm going to run through a few of the European countries. I'm just well, let's do that now and then the maybe cost, we come yeah. back. Uh, um, so let's maybe start off with, I don't know, the Scandinavian countries. Scandinavian countries, yeah. Um, the Scandinavian countries are free for EU citizens, um, but if you're an free. international, free, yeah. Did free. you say free? Free, as in no money, Neil. Yes. Free. You mean you mean <laughs> no money for university costs? Well, you still got to pay for housing, okay. But, well, indeed, but, more... but in terms of tuition, it's tuition free. is free. Yeah, it's free. Wow. Um, but if you're an international citizen, then you you have to pay. Uh, it varies quite a lot, but let's say around about fifteen to twenty thousand euros. Okay, we're well, talking now for, three, for three EU citizens. That's a, a, a huge, um, yeah, it's huge, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. But um, some good, some more good news for you, international okay. citizens. I'm getting all excited now. I know. Well, you can go to Norway, which, as you know, is a Scandinavian country for free. Everybody. Right. EU, non-EU, you go to Norway for free. Wow. And are, they, are people knocking on their door or, or uh, you know, is competition so great that you can't get in? Or how does that work? Uh, well, that, again, that depends on which university course you're applying for. Wow. Clearly, the, there are some which are very competitive. But by right. and large, I would say it's a, it's a very doable option. Right. 
And does Denmark offer large selection of, of courses in English? Yes, they do. And Sweden as well. Wow. Okay. I mean, obviously, these, these countries are not so large. Okay, Sweden is a country of about 10 million, so they have quite a few cities. Denmark and Norway are fairly small countries, you know, four million inhabitants, and Finland as well. Um, so there's not a huge number of universities, but certainly enough, especially well, these are these are top countries. tips yeah. because you know yeah. the country itself has a, a strong reputation in terms of quality, in terms of education, oh, yeah, um, and so therefore the brand uh, that's associated with the degree is is strong globally, I would imagine. And so therefore yes, you get the win-win of uh, saving money, getting a strong reputational brand that differentiates yourself. And as you said, then you could go on and do uh, a master's at, a, at an expensive US uh, institution, you know, theoretically afterwards and get the best of both worlds. It, it, it does happen quite a lot. The students will go and study in Scandinavia, which is top quality, everything, and then perhaps as you say, they'll go to the UK, US, Canada for their master's degree because, of course, they've already saved a lot of money. Wow, and I'll, I'll certainly be looking, after we finish this podcast, I'll be <laughs> going and looking for my daughter who's uh, um, you know, heading towards these uh, decisions right now. Um, good. Let's go back uh, to Ireland. Uh, we missed Ireland out, and Ireland is in a, a unique situation now as being part of, or Southern Ireland being part of um, the EU, but also uh, connected in many ways to the British Isles. Uh, what's the situation in Ireland in terms of cost? Yeah, as you rightly point out, it, it is in an interesting position right now. The Irish Republic or Southern Ireland uh, is an independent country. It's not part of the, EU, uh, of the uh -huh. UK. However, it is still inside the EU and they use the euro as their currency. Now, what this means for you as a potential student is that if you are an EU citizen, you can go there for approximately 3,000 euros a year. And remember, in the UK, it will cost you 10,000 pounds and upwards. So, and in terms of the difference between the two countries, the differences between the Republic of Ireland and the UK are very, very small indeed. Um, uh, everything, is, everything is very, very similar between the two. I mean, there are some top universities in Ireland, Trinity College. Indeed, Dublin, I was going to say, the, uh, the reputation yeah. of Irish education is very high, isn't it? It is indeed. In fact, it's so high, I sent one of my sons there. Uh, so right. Believe, be, believe me, I wouldn't send my own son to a poor university and pay for it. I'm, I'm not that nice, Neil. Sure. <laughs> no, indeed. Yeah, so again, so the I, the, yeah, the Irish Republic, absolutely. So about 3,000 uh, euros a year if you are... Uh, EU citizen. If you're not, yeah. it's going to be about 10,000 upwards. Okay. Right. Good. Um, let's uh, move away from Europe, North America. Uh, quick overview of Asia. Asia. Okay. Well, Asia's an interesting one because there are really a lot, a lot of countries in Asia sure. that, that offer education in, in English. Um, a country like the Philippines, for example, is a huge country, over 100 million inhabitants, and it's English-speaking, and lots of universities. Right. And then you've got the obvious countries in South Asia, like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, which everyone knows that those countries are English-speaking. And then you've got Hong Kong, you've got Singapore. A lot of universities in Japan now are offering mm, courses taught in English, and, and also in Korea, South Korea. And so 
uh, there's, there's really a lot going on in Asia. Um, but particularly the, the prices tend to be very attractive. It's in some of those countries, I mean, some places like Singapore and Hong Kong can be, yeah, a little pricey, I would say. But you go to the Philippines, for example, I mean, I'm just looking here at my cheat sheet of numbers sure. because I can't, I can't remember the, the exact numbers. But um, yeah, you're sort of looking at probably around uh, about two to three thousand US dollars a year. Yeah. And I was I was looking uh, in Japan, uh, just out of interest, really. And again, incredibly good value, especially now that the uh, yen um, is struggling against the US dollar. Um, it, uh, it, it's worth looking at. Um, I know that, you know, I, I used to work in Japan and it was a wonderful country. Um, and you know, they really have invested a lot of energy and effort in in opening up their markets to uh, education markets to to international students. Very positive. Yeah? It's an interesting dynamic because I'm working here in Vienna, Austria, Europe, and we're beginning to see now much more interest from our students uh, in the international school to actually consider going, uh, you know, all the way to Asia. Whereas up until now, people have focused very much on Europe and North America. Um, so. This year, we've actually sent two students to Japan. Uh, right. one, one was actually a Japanese student going home, but there was a, another girl, she's Hungarian. Yeah. And um, she, she used to live in Japan when she was very young. And I think she left when she was five years old, but she's had this hankering to go back and sure. you know, reconnect with the culture. I mean, and as Fantastic. I say, the cost is, is surprisingly low. Um, you know, is, our, yeah. our stereotypical pictures of, of, of countries uh, and cost, Scandinavia, free, Japan, very cheap. Uh, you know, so, so I think uh, one of the core messages here is to be open-minded if you're interested in uh, uh, cost savings because there are uh, lots and lots of opportunities there. Thank you. I, I think there's, there's probably a, a trade-off in some countries between having cheap or, or free tuition and relatively high living costs. I mean, Scandinavia is expensive to live. There's no doubt about that. But when you're going to be studying for free, um, that sort of more than offsets the uh, higher costs in rent. Especially as you can get a side job in a restaurant or a cafe and, and again, earn equivalent amounts of money uh, in those locations yes. sometimes. Yes, you can. Yes. Indeed. So we've covered tuition costs uh, pretty comprehensively, I think. Let's take a brief look at living costs, housing, transportation, food. Obviously, uh, you know, again, it's a bit how long is a bit of string uh, sort of question, but, but we can make sort of general um, comments around around cost of living for students. Let's start off in the USA and Canada. What are we looking at in terms of the cost of living? Well, before I start drilling into the actual cost country by country, I, I just want to make a, a more general comment. I mean, yeah, please. You, you, you can live at a lot of different levels. You can sort of live at the lowest level where you sort of, you're just eating pasta and baked beans every day. Yeah, that was or, me. <laughs> oh, the good old, the good old days before, yeah. before, before we became gourmet sandwich eaters like myself. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back, back on track, Neil. Okay. So, 
the cost. If you are going to uh, demand a, a fairly extravagant and luxurious lifestyle, well, good luck to you if your parents will pay it for you. But let's just look at a typical student lifestyle where you, you, you have a room probably in the student accommodation and you sort of have uh, two or three meals a day and a couple of bus tickets to get around town and bits and pieces. Sure. I think in the United States and Canada, you're probably looking at about $1,300 a month or yeah. that's probably a minimum, I would say. It depends a little bit on which city you're in. Some cities are clearly more expensive than others. Vancouver is, New York, for example. Um, but there are, of course, cheaper options. I think, Neil, you, you mentioned in the southern part of the USA, outside the conurbations, that uh, costs tend to be lower. And I think that's yeah, probably, we had a, probably a student, true in most countries. Uh, from my school who went to, I think, Daytona or somewhere. And, and, and I followed him, you know, really, really, uh, you know, relatively cheap place to live. Um, whereas uh, here in Vancouver, um, the major cost is accommodation, really. Yeah. Uh, you can you can vary your food cost or your transport cost. You know, want a car, take a bus, whatever. Um, but the one fixed cost that that really impacts students is in how much does a room cost uh, to rent um, in the uh, in the month. Um, and you know, again, probably here the devil is in the detail. You know, how many do you have to pay for the summer? Um, yes. uh, how many months you pay in advance? Um, what deposits are they looking for? Uh, the base number can sound quite low, but uh, when you actually look into the real cost of renting a room, it's often much, much higher. Okay, so 1,300 roughly North America, varying on city to city, location to location. What about UK? And the UK, again, uh, the costs vary quite a bit. Uh, I mean, British universities and, and, and US colleges and universities um, will, will have a range of housing options from their sort of the basic units up to a, a more I know, luxurious unit. Uh, in the UK, for example, students typically go into what's called a hall of residence, right. like a dormitory in the United States. Uh, in the UK, you will almost always have a single room whereas in the States, you, you may well be sharing. Um, but in, in the UK, the, the big difference really is which city you're in. London right. is substantially more expensive because right. housing costs are generally higher in London. And if you don't want to do that, if you go into one of the other cities, particularly in the north of England, uh, the costs will be quite a bit lower. Indeed. We're looking yeah. at sort of 40% lower probably, uh, city probably. to city, depending, yeah, on, depending on yeah. where you're choosing. Yes. Um, but, but I think in the UK, you need to be really careful around this. You know, a city in the north like York um, is a very expensive place to live, uh, whereas yeah, if you yeah. move across to another really good university like Newcastle, for example, uh, you're in a much cheaper location. So, uh, you know, really, the devil lies in the detail there, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and in Europe? Um, I didn't actually put a number on, on the UK. I just waffled on yeah, about London, okay. London being more expensive. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I think probably as a starting price for accommodation and bits and pieces in the UK, you should be looking at probably about twelve or £1,300 mm, and, and, and upwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, again, there is enormously, but London is... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, anyone who wants to thinks about studying in London needs to, you know, really understand the cost of accommodation yes. um, because it's significant there. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you. Across to Europe, then. Um, which European country would you like? <laughs> um, well, let's take let's take Western yeah. Europe, traditional okay. picture of Western Europe, um, okay. and then maybe uh, draw a, a line onto Eastern Europe because the costs vary. Maybe if we go to South, Southern Europe, I don't, I don't know how. How would you like to take a look? Yeah, I mean, you're quite right. Europe is still, in a way, cost-wise, split between you know, the former Eastern Europe, which used to be the communist area thirty years ago, and Western right. Europe. In terms of in terms of price, it's substantially cheaper still in yeah. Eastern Europe. East European countries, you can probably get away with about seven to nine hundred euros mm -hmm. um, a month. Whereas in Western Europe, well, you're going to be looking at thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred, right. something of that order. And then there's so, that also that price divide between Northern Europe and Southern Europe. Southern Europe being uh, much cheaper. Yes. Yes, I mean, we, we already touched on the fact that Scandinavia is very expensive. Um, but then we said that with a bit of luck, you can go and study there for free. So hopefully that offsets your higher living costs. I mean, Dude. I think we started this podcast with talking about the fact that there are different aspects to your total cost, the tuition fees, which we've gone into. Right. And now we're talking here about the living costs. And very often it's a trade-off between the two. Um, right, indeed. In well, we could say arrive. that, for example, uh, uh, southern Italy or or Portugal, um, you'd be looking at lower costs generally across the yes. board, accommodation and food costs, because local food is relatively cheap there and delicious, um, <laughs> yes. and uh, accommodation is much more accessible. Absolutely, yes. Indeed. Okay. So summing up, uh, Jeremy, have you got any sort of general ideas and words that would help people on this uh, road? Yes. Um, if you are on a, a restricted budget, um, then clearly you need to shop around. Uh, I, I said earlier on that you can get a good education in lots of countries. It's really a question of where you go and how much you want to pay. And we've had a look at these price differences, everything from free to you know, $60,000, $70,000 a year. So right. you really have to have a little look around and don't get caught out by the, the extra add-on costs. We've, we've just been talking about the cost of housing and, and of course, food and, and other miscellaneous expenses. And so when you are working out how much it's going to cost you, you do have to add this in. Indeed, and many universities, to be fair, have like cost calculators, don't they, built into their websites that hopefully give you a realistic picture of uh, how much it costs to live in that particular location. Um, I think the other thing that, that I've learned, certainly, is that uh, you need to really consider the length of the course as well. Yes, indeed. I mean, we touched on this earlier as well. If you're doing a three-year degree, you're only paying three years' worth of tuition fees, three years' worth of housing. And in that fourth year, presumably, you'll be out earning money in the job. So if you, if you look at the four years and you sort of calculate your costs for the three years and then you subtract whatever you're going to earn in year four or you can just go straight into a four-year program, in which case you're paying four years tuition, four years housing. And those two numbers are going to be radically different at the end of radically. the four years. Exactly. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, that's, that's a really important message. So thank you, Jeremy. I think we're wrapping up now. What are you going to get up to? A cheese sandwich or is it sushi tonight? Oh, 
not that luxurious, I'm afraid. I'm, I managed to get a free lunch at work, so um, I think it's a. Oh, I know. I think it's going to be a pot of yogurt and some fruit. I'm, I'm, I'm on this healthy kick at the moment, Neil. Don't worry, it won't last. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. This episode was sponsored by Wixbury.com. Wixbury is a month-by-month guide to the journey from grade 10 to university. Check it out at Wixbury.com.